Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Thanks for being here on this Lord's Day as we've come to worship our great God and, and to recognize and honor all the mothers who are here with us today along with those of you joining by live stream. I hope you've had a good week and are prepared to hear the preaching of God's word as we study it together today. Mother's Day, <clears throat> certainly a very special day indeed. In fact, I read Hallmark estimates that 150 million Mother's Day cards will be sent out this year, which shows people do want to remember their mothers. And as children, as Phil prompted you last week, I hope you too remembered your mother with something special, maybe a card or a hug or a kiss or well wishes or maybe even breakfast in bed. Did any of you get breakfast in bed? Not a one. I read this true story, and your response echoes this story, so I thought it was pretty humorous. It was Mother's Day morning, and the children came into the parents' room and ordered Mom to stay in bed. Mom, you stay right there as we have something very special planned for you. So as she laid there, she assumed there would be breakfast in bed. And as the smell of something cooking in the kitchen drifted up the stairs, her mind, in her mind she prepared herself for that special breakfast. After a long wait, the children, instead of coming upstairs, hollered from downstairs, Come on down! Well, she thought it won't be breakfast in bed, so they must have breakfast downstairs on the table for me. However, she entered the kitchen. They were all sitting around the table feeding their faces. When one of them saw her, he looked up and said between bites, Mom, as a Mother's Day surprise, we cooked our own breakfast, but sorry, there's nothing left for you. <laughs> so mothers, no expectations, okay? <laughs> I don't know how much you know about this occasion, but the holiday began by a lady named Anna Jarvis about a hundred years ago. At a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. Within the next few years, the idea of a day to honor all mothers gained popularity, and Mother's Day began to be observed in a number of large cities in the U.S. Then on May 9th, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. In his words, he established the day as a time of public expression of our love and reverence for mothers of our country. And that's my intention here this morning with a little twist, and that is to praise God for each of our mothers and to express our love for them in all they do and all that they have done in our lives. To be honest with you, though, when we decide as elders to speak specifically on Mother's Day and the rotation fell on me, I didn't know really how difficult it would be. In fact, I found it kind of discouraging because at the onset, as I looked at sources, they said that many, many said not to speak at all about Mother's Day because mothers often leave the church hurt and discouraged when they feel like sermons are seemingly directed at them 
and they aren't fulfilling what the scriptures are revealing. Therefore, they are failures. Mothers, let me share that is not my intention today, for none of you are failures by any means. God has given you a special privilege to be a mother, but this responsibility is a hard one and a difficult role, to say the least. Oftentimes, mothers are so unappreciated. But as I thought about it, it's we as children who are the failures. It's not you mothers, it's the children. And I can attest to that firsthand, for when I was growing up, I didn't appreciate my own mother, as I really should have. What I want to share today is a section of scripture from God's word that is addressed to women. But it's also applicable to you men and also you children. For all of us can learn from God's truth those biblical principles that we so desperately need in our lives. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for our correction, and for our instruction in righteousness. So with that introduction, God directed me to look at Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31 that Michael read earlier. As Mark said, it's a very familiar passage, but I don't know how many of you have really ever studied it in depth. The teaching will not only look at mothers, but also wives, and in fact all ladies as I think about what it means to be a virtuous woman. How would I define virtuous? Simply, one who has moral excellence and behavior, one who is upright, one who is chaste, one who has valor, one who has and demonstrates great virtues in their life. So I titled this message, Praising a Virtuous Woman. And I, I'd like to pray before we begin. So, Father, thank you for working in my own heart and convicting me so as I thought about my own mother. Thank you for the way she showed just such virtue to me. Lord, I pray for all the women here today as they go through this passage that they would see what a virtuous woman really is and really desire that in their own lives. We do thank you for the mothers particularly and that we can celebrate this day. I pray that your holy word would not fall on deaf ears, but really work, and the Holy Spirit would have free conviction in each life. So we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin, here's a little insight on these verses. If you didn't know, Proverbs 10, 31, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, is an acrostic poem as each of the verses begins a new line of the Hebrew alphabet in successive order. 22 letters give us 22 verses. Verse 10 begins with the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph, and the following verses begin with the next letter all the way until the final letter, Tau, begins verse 31. As for who the author is of this poem, that is somewhat contested. Some link these verses to the words of King Lemuel, found earlier in the chapter, verses 1 through 9, thus crediting him for this poem, even suggesting King Lemuel's mother as the possible subject of the poem. However, this is not proven at all, particularly since the identity of King Lemuel himself is itself disputed. 
Ancient Jewish tradition identifies the king here as King Solomon, while other more recent commentaries point to a foreign, either Egyptian or Babylonian king. The Reformation Study Bible offers this thought, which I concur with. Some include verses 10 through 31 in the words of King Lemuel, but they are better taken as a separate concluding poem for the entire book, as this latter section is primarily a final portrayal of the virtuous woman in all her beauty. So we really don't know who the author is. Yet as we look at the poem, one commentator said this, obviously such a patterned text lends itself easier to memorization, which we don't have when translated in English, but it was a great benefit to those in Hebrew. This fact would suggest that this text was written to be shared and spoken by many readers and speakers. It also means that its contents were intended for the widest possible distribution as all should know the fabulous portrait of this exemplary woman, and all women should strive to emulate her in every way that they can." Unquote. So given that challenge, or that overview, I broke this proverb up into three sections. The first being verses 10 through 12, and then I added verse 23 to this as well. So follow along as I read 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And then verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. I call this first section the reputation of a virtuous wife. As we begin this poem, I see three key virtues in these four verses. First, from verse 10, a virtuous wife is valuable. The initial verse introduces a section with a question, who can find a virtuous woman? Or who can find a virtuous wife? Other translations say, who can find an excellent woman or wife? Or who can find a woman of valor for her price is far above rubies or jewels? The question itself would indicate that a virtuous woman is really hard to find. And any man who finds such a woman has indeed found a valuable treasure. If you stop and think about it, jewels are not just valuable because of their beauty, but because of their rarity. So, that is the same with a virtuous woman, for she is marked with such wonderful virtues that she is considered very rare and therefore extremely valuable. That's why Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth a favor of the Lord. Husbands, is that how you feel about your wife? That you have found a good thing, and outside of the Lord, she is the most valuable thing you have? Do you realize the treasure you have in her? Sadly, in the world we live in, even among those that call themselves Christians, when a man makes a selection for a wife, it is often made for all the wrong reasons. Looks, education, personality, likes, dislikes, accomplishments, and more often than not, if there's some sort of physical attraction. Rather, rather than seeking those things in a wife that really matter, virtue, Character, 
and above all, her commitment and love for the Lord. Things that really set a virtuous woman apart from others and make her really valuable. From verse 11, a virtuous wife is trustworthy. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. What does this mean, he will have no need of spoil? Or as some translations put it, no lack of gain. I think the easiest definition would be the example that when the husband is away at work or out of town on business or pursuing a ministry opportunity when he's away from the home, he can do it with absolute confidence, trusting in his wife's integrity, her wisdom, and her discretion in the wise use of their assets and in the care of their interests together. He's not suspicious. He's not worried. He's not concerned because she is trustworthy. The whole aspect of trust, trust in a marriage is so important, <clears throat> especially in a godly marriage. Proverbs 14.1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish <clears throat> plucketh it or pulls it down with her hands. Again, sadly for many marriages, the wife has failed at being trustworthy by being unwise and, as this verse says, foolish in the handling of their assets and has openly or even secretly spent monies on personal items that can literally bind a family into debt for years. So many divorces are brought about because of this very fact the husband and wife argue constantly about money issues because there's been a careless and frivolous spending. In light of that lack of trust, so many men do not trust their wives with a checkbook, let alone a credit card, because there have been a violation of this very principle. I'm so very grateful for my own wife, who over the years has been so wise and trustworthy in her shopping endeavors. And before buying anything, really, contemplating a purchase, she always seeks my counsel. She's trustworthy. And wise, I hope your reputation is one that is overflowing with this virtue as well. And then thirdly, from verses 12 and 23... A virtuous wife is devoted. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. And he is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. This is a confirmation of what Genesis 2 is referring to when it says the wife is to be a helpmeet to her husband, inferring that she will continually do good for him. And wives, please note the verbiage here is good and not evil, which basically says there cannot be a mixture of both good and bad directed towards your husband, but only that which is good, and that, that can only occur out of a deep devotion to him. And husbands, let's face it, we at times are not the easiest people to live with. Therefore, love your wives like you should, recognizing the treasure they are and the self-sacrifice they put forth for you on a daily basis because of their devotion for you. For really, it's your wife's devotion for you that plays a major part in your own good name and reputation. When it says in verse 23, he is known in the gates and among the elders of the land. I will tell you for personal application, um, 
as an elder in this church, there's no way I could be in this role without the help of my devoted wife. Every year that goes by, I treasure her more and more and realize the gift God has given me in her. And I would hope that is true for every single one of you husbands. You would recognize that you would not be where you are today without the devotion and love of your wife. I like how one commentator summarizes devotion. A wife should continually contribute to her husband's spiritual development by being a wise counselor in the midst of trials. Just think about each one of that. Wise counselor in the midst of trials by continually praying for him in the issues of life by never speaking evil of him in the midst of conversations, but instead making him known as a man of great nobility and great respect as she becomes a crown for him. Proverbs 12.4 says, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. Back up. Crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. So reputation is valuable, trustworthy, and devoted. That describes a virtuous wife. Well, let's move on to the next section, which is verses 13 through 27. And versus me reading all that, I'm just going to go through these verses one at a time. I did, as you've already seen, I called this section the resourcefulness of a virtuous mother. So the resourcefulness of a virtuous mother. As we begin here, if there's a, a key verse in this entire section... It will be found in verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Let me repeat that. She worketh, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Mothers, I think this verse describes you to a T. Hard work, hard work, hard work, and more hard work each and every day in caring for the needs of your household. There is certainly better, very little idleness for that word is not in your job description. And that's really why we want to honor you today. I saw a job description for a mother. It had a number of these things I'll show you. It had personal chef, head cheerleader, housekeeper, taxi driver, janitor, personal shopper, tutor, Nurse, keeper of secrets, hairstylist, storyteller, mediator, and many other responsibilities. And yet, in the midst of all these, we know the number one responsibility, especially a mom, is to train up a child in the way he or she should go. And that, in itself, all by itself, is a full-time job. Oftentimes, men, we don't realize how hard it is until we stay home all day long. A person for me, years ago, when... We had all these little children running around and my wife uh, was really struggling to manhandle all of them. I said, honey, I'll stay home. I'll stay home one half day a week and I'll teach school and I'll help out. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. In fact, I was so glad to go to work. But we don't realize that, man. We don't realize the challenge it is. So fathers, let me ask you this question. How much is a mother worth to you as she cares for your children? 
A study a few years ago by salary.com stated this, and I quote, the typical mother puts in a 97-hour work week and works at least 10 different jobs. The breadth of mom's responsibility is beyond what most workers could ever experience day to day. Imagine if you had to attract and retain a candidate to fill this role in a company. Based on the job titles and average number of hours worked, the salary would be astronomical. And you mothers do it for free because you love your children. God gives that special bond to a mother and a child. And over the the 40 plus years I've been at my job, I've had many mothers who've worked for me who have shared openly that they would so desire to stay home with their children. But their husbands, it's always that, that phrase, but their husbands want that second paycheck and therefore make their wives work. I'm so thankful to my dad who allowed my mom to stay home with my sister and me when the growing trend at that time was go to work. Two incomes. You'll get a lot farther ahead in the world. And even when I was older and I actually was in school all day, um, my mom did get a part-time job, but she was there till, with me in the morning till I left. And when I got home from school mid-afternoon, she was there. I didn't know she had a job if she wouldn't have told me because she wanted to be there with her children. So, mothers, as we go through this series of verses here in Proverbs, I, I wish I had more time to do justice because many things could be said, but these are a few things, a few virtues that I think stood out regarding the resourcefulness of a virtuous mother. And, and children, I want you to do something for me. You have to pay attention. But I think if you could think about your own mother, and as I go through these, what are some of these? Try to pick out one or two or maybe more that you see in your own mother. And you could share this with her sometime today or this week. Just share. Mom, I see this in you. It would be such an encouragement. So let's fly through these. Verse 13. She is industrious. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. In other words, she is busy. She's industrious as she goes out and seeks for items that she would need for whatever project she's working on. The context here is speaking of wool and flax, but this could be extended to any of her pursuits. And note her spirit. I've seen throughout these entire section, I see no complaining or having a grumpy attitude, but instead she delights in her task, particularly in working with her hands. Verse 14, she's prudent. She's like the merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. In essence, she, showed prudence, she shows prudence, or another word here is she's sensible. She's sensible in providing for her family needs, which requires careful thought, careful planning, careful management. Practically speaking, she works to find the best deals, and I know so many of you mothers do the same thing by being prudent and constantly looking to find the best deals. Verse 15, she is diligent. 
She rises also while is yet night and giveth meat or food to her household and a portion to her maidens or to her servants. If I had to summarize this in one sentence, it would be the care of her family is more important than her own comforts or conveniences. How many times are you mothers up at all hours of the night to care for one of your children or up early in the morning before anyone else to prepare the household? This has been a good reflection for me. I, I was really spoiled growing up. I remember I'd get up every morning and my mom would have breakfast all ready for me. And it wasn't just cereal. It was bacon and eggs and toast every morning. And I just woofed it down. Or I would open my dresser and they were all clean clothes. They just appeared. Or I never cleaned the bathroom, but somehow it was always clean. I just took it all for granted. Never thought about the sacrifice it took to, uh, to do all that. That's why I said earlier, it was me that failed, not her, and not recognizing that. I think it's worth noting here, some commentators say that when the verses references a portion to her maidens or to her servants, it signifies she's a diligent household manager even to those outsiders who are in the home hired to do a project. That reminded me of years ago when we were building our house and we lived in this little construction trailer right next to the home that was being built. My wife would take lemonade and cookies to these workers every single day. And just two weeks ago, I saw one of these guys. Um, he came by my office to get something. And I hadn't seen him for years and years and years. And the first thing he brought up was that my wife would bring him cookies and lemonade every day and talk to him. She loved to talk to him about the gospel. And it was so, it's just, it's important that you're diligent even with outsiders. Verses 16, and I used verse 24. She is entrepreneurial. She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her earnings. And in her hands she planteth a vineyard. Her verse 24 says, She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles or linen garments unto the merchant. It seems apparent here that this woman had a business of some sort dealing with wool and flax and linen garments. And she even does a little bit of investment. Yet I also see in the words, She considereth, which we can easily skip over. She considereth that she is acting prudently. She's acting prudently as an entrepreneur by not assuming other duties whereby she would neglect her present ones with her family. So how do we apply this? I know several of you have home businesses as your children have gotten older. I'd like to tell you how my wife has been an entrepreneur throughout the years at home. It is these little teeny little things called coupons. Those coupons have literally saved me thousands of dollars over the years. 
If the truth be known, I am what they call a high-level shopper. I go into stores, high-level. That's what I get. And the stores love it. I learned in school they put all expensive items on high-level. And that's what you get. But when I married her, I learned about coupons. And she has taught me and my children the value of using these and never buying on the spot, but researching and looking for the best deal. So many times throughout our marriage when I am contemplating a major purchase, she has been instrumental in giving me the green light, the thumbs up, or mm, the caution light, yellow caution light, which means no, or you better be careful. And I have so appreciated that. Verses 17 through 19, she is persevering. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. Here we again we find the virtuous woman persevering as she cares for the needs of her family during the day and often at night. And I remember many a time getting up in the morning, and my wife would tell me how she was up with one of the children all night, and I was oblivious to the whole thing. I slept right through it. Some have said a mother's job is thankless. And that's probably why so many mothers do suffer from discouragement. But that's where perseverance is so important as a virtue. It reminded me of a silly toy I had when I was growing up, and I, I guess they still make them. It's this thing that you would punch, and it would go flat to the ground, and then it comes right back up. That reminded me so of perseverance or another word would be resiliency. Just mothers, you have to be resilient. And that's what I see. It isn't easy. It isn't easy. Children do disappoint. They do. As a parent, particularly as a mother, you will be disappointed many times. But you have to be resilient. You have to get back up. Not, it's not without a lot of shedding of tears. Heartache. Your heart just weeps. Certainly lots and lots of crying out to God in prayer. But God is always sufficient. And I want you to be encouraged to be resilient. To keep getting back up. Verse 20, she is compassionate. She stretches out her hand to the poor, yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. Those same hands that meet the needs of her own household also extend out to others around her as she shows compassion in meeting the needs of the poor. And commentators say that while this includes basic human needs like food and clothing, it, it really includes an additional step of reaching out with tender touch to comfort to counsel and encourage those who are hurting. And mothers, I, I know this happens all the time in this assembly where you and other mothers seek counsel, you seek comfort, you reach out and touch. And that's all part of being compassionate. Verse 21, she is protective. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. 
And I remember, so I remember my mom bundling me up for school, putting my coat on and my hat, a little muffler thing around my neck, giving me a big hug and shoving me out the door. Children, I want you to consider this. When your mother says, or let's say you say to your mother, can I do this? And your mother says, no. So what, what is your response? Is it, okay. Or is it, why not? Why not? Often, the word no from your mother is exactly what this is about, protection. And even though you don't see it, and you may not see it for years, or maybe not to your own, your own mother, she's watching over you, and you should value that protection. Verses 22 and then verse 25. She is beautiful. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk, it's fine linen and purple. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. This virtuous mother and wife not only appreciates the beauty God has given her, but she also rejoices in God's provision to her and her family, now and in the future. Know here that she's very careful to make sure her clothing is not just linen, but fine linen. And the color of linen being purple demonstrates outwardly her elegance and inwardly her beautiful heart. Ladies, it is so important to remember, though, it is not the clothes that make you a virtuous woman, but the virtues themselves within you are what enable you to gain such strength and honor and beauty. 26, she's wise. She opens her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is a law of kindness. It shouldn't really surprise us that the virtuous mother is a wise woman and a fitting ornament in her wisdom is this expression of kindness to others. For it is a kind and gracious tongue that really sets apart her wisdom. Proverbs 25:11 says, A word fitly spoken or gently spoken, or softly spoken, or spoken at the right time, is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And I would so encourage you mothers to realize the importance of kindness, especially to your children. And lastly, verse 27, which we've already covered, she is a hard worker. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Work, work, and more work doing it hardly to the Lord. She, she's not lazy at all. And certainly the main desire of all this work is that a child come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Colossians 3, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you, have sh- you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this, about a mother. Those who think that a woman detained at home by her little family is doing nothing think the reverse of what is true. Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. And then another author said this, a godly mother is one who loves the Lord her God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then passionately, consistently, and unrelentingly teaches her children to do the same. Children, appreciate your mother's 
They love you so much and they work so hard on your behalf and yet all too often they never hear a word of appreciation from most of you. One day, one day your mother won't be here. She'll be in heaven. Don't be negligent in realizing what you have right now at present time. I am so thankful I had a, a wonderful relationship with my mother and I loved her so much. And when she passed away several years ago, there was, there was this huge void in my life, uh, this emptiness. And even today on this Mother's Day, I just loved Mother's Day because I could be with her. Um, she's not here. So value your mother's now. And that leads me to our last section here this morning, verses 28 to 31. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. I call this last section the recognition of a virtuous woman. If there are two words that I want to leave you with today as we conclude these verses, it is honor and recognition. Husbands, honor and recognize your virtuous wife. Praise God and praise her for the gift you have in your beloved bride. And do not make the mistake that so many husbands make of taking your wife for granted. Children, honor and recognize your virtuous mother. Rise up and call her blessed for the gift you have in her. And again, do not make the mistake that so many children like me make of taking your mother for granted. And to all you ladies, young and old, as verses 30 and 31 say, may you be known as virtuous women who fear the Lord such that others around you may see and sense your godly virtues as they shine forth through the fruit and labor of your hands. May God be praised. May God be praised for all the virtuous women. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage. And although I'd never really studied it in detail before, I thank you for what you taught me as I went through it. Not only about my failure as a son, but um, just all that my mother did for me. Thank you for helping me to realize the treasure I have in my wife and I pray Father that both fathers and husbands here today would realize what they have in their beloved brides and I pray for the children Lord help them to see that time is fleeting by and that they would see what they have in their godly mother their virtuous mother and they would recognize and honor her for who she is uh, God has gifted her to them. So thank you again in Christ's name. Amen.